Well, as Pastor Dave mentioned, it is it can be difficult to get here on a Saturday night, but what a true joy it is to gather as the body of Christ on the final day of 2022 and spend some time reflecting and looking forward on all the blessings that God has given us. And he certainly has blessed us indeed. Uh, I do want to apologize right off the bat. I, I had a pretty nasty cold this week, so if I enter into some coughing fits, uh, just know that I thought ending... 2023 would be phenomenal with a cold, but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, this evening, we are going to begin by reading two passages from Holy Scripture. The first one is from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 992. Again, that's Matthew 28. We'll be reading verses 1 through 7. God's word says this, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Next, we'll read from Isaiah 53. Verses 10 through 12, that begins on page 729. Again, Isaiah 53, 10 through 12, on page 729 and 730. The words of the prophet say this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to account it righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressor. Yet he bore his sin, the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, well, uh, I wanted to begin this evening kind of just to get a feel of uh, what you guys do for, the, uh, for New Year's, if you do New Year's resolutions. So my first thing is that I'd like you to raise your hand if you made a 2022 New Year's resolution. Wow, that was my biggest fear. No one's going to raise their hand. No one made a resolution? Okay. Well, then my next few questions don't matter, do they? All right. Well, I made New Year's resolutions. In fact, I went back and found in, uh, in my notes in my, my phone that I failed at all my New Year's resolutions. And I'm not joking. I failed at every single one of them. Uh, did not succeed in one of them. That is a very sad reality to, to kind of come to grips with. 
But I think uh, that New Year's, although maybe you guys don't think this since no one did New Year's resolutions, but I think New Year's resolutions can be relatively good tools to help you accomplish a goal. New Year's Eve is kind of a reset. It's one of those points where you can draw a line in the sand and say, okay, tomorrow's a new day, tomorrow's a new year. I'm gonna get something accomplished. I'm gonna change some things up and accomplish some goals. And I think one of the reasons why New Year's resolutions can be helpful is because it gives you hope in a promise that brings something with it. it gives you hope in a promise of what is to come. What I mean by this is one of the examples that I have. Uh, in fact, I Googled this. It's the most widely uh, used New Year's resolution, which is to get into shape. I resolve myself to get into shape this year. And when you resolve yourself to get into shape, you're putting hope in the promise that if I do get into shape, then I'm going to feel better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do more things. I'm going to live longer. Likewise, another uh, often New Year's resolution that I, again, Googled uh, is I want to get organized this year. And when I resolve myself to get organized, I'm kind of putting... Uh, a, my, my hope and a promise that, hey, my life's going to be a little easier. I'm going to be able to find things easier. Maybe I'll be a little bit more efficient at my job. Also, another New Year's resolution that's common is uh, I'll learn a new skill this year. I resolve to learn a new language. And that comes with the hope of the promise that I'm going to be maybe get a new promotion. I'm going to be a better person for, for doing that. I'm going to be more skilled and have more options afforded to me. Whatever it is, I, I think New Year's resolutions can be a helpful tool to accomplish goals in life because you see that promise of something better, something more. So my question for us tonight is as Christians... What drives us forward to faithfully follow Jesus throughout the year, okay? In a New Year's resolution, what drives us forward is the hope of that promise, of that thing that I will accomplish. But as Christians, what, as we're looking at a new year, and even as we look at the, at the past, what has driven us forward to follow and be faithful to the goal of Christ, well, just like how, again, New Year's resolutions have that promise that compel us forward, I think also as Christians, we have tremendous promises that God has made to us, which the Holy Spirit confirms in us, which drive us forward to faithfully follow Jesus. And there's many, many uh, promises in God's word. We're going to look at, uh, I guess, the major one today, but one that uh, compels us forward. Now, the difference, of course, between a New Year's resolution and the promises that that affords us and the difference uh, with, with the promises that God makes us is that the promises that God makes us are far greater, vastly more compelling, and eternally secure. They are also confirmed within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these promises, I, I think, should be the hope that we rest in to find our yearly and our monthly, and our weekly, and our daily rest, and strength, and passion as we follow Jesus. And so my hope is, uh, this is a little, a little weird since no one makes resolutions, but my hope is if you do make a resolution, 
that you will at least make this one resolution. And that is that you would resolve yourself to rest in what God has promised you. It's not an active resolution where you're going out there and getting something done. It's receiving what God has already given you. And I think that's easier said than it is done sometimes. In fact, reading the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one, drove that home for me tonight. What is our only comfort in, the li- in, uh, what is our only comfort in life and in death? Shorter answer, that I am not my own, but I belong to God. And that's a promise from the Lord that drives us through our year. Again, I apologize for my voice. All right, well, look with me at Isaiah chapter 53 again. We're going to look at just verses 10 and 11 tonight. We're going to spend most of our time there. Uh, Before we do get into that, I do want to point out that as we interact with this passage, uh, uh, there's there's one thing in particular I want us to see. This was written seven, approximately 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And throughout the book of Isaiah, God is doing several things. There's several major themes. One of the things that we see throughout Isaiah is that God is promising something to the nation of Israel, giving them hope for the future. But one thing we also know during the time of Isaiah that becomes very clear, especially as you read the beginning of it, is that those who Isaiah is speaking to, who God is promising wonderful things to, are really chasing after idols. In fact, in Isaiah 1:21, God condemns the very heart of the nation of Israel. He condemns Jerusalem, saying, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Very strong language. What I want to point out is that as we interact with this passage, even God's chosen holy nation, who was at that time giving their hearts over to other idols, God is still comforting them and telling them, my Savior will come and he will save you. Isaiah himself acknowledges throughout Isaiah of this incredible faithfulness of God. In one instance, he says in, verse, or in chapter 25, verse 1, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in your perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And so it's within this context that we hear these promises that Isaiah makes, that God makes through Isaiah here. Verse 10, it says, yet, and this is one of those passages that, I don't know, you could read over and over again, and I think God works it out over and over in, in different ways as you read it. But he says, yet, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt... He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Brothers and sisters, it was not a mistake. It was not by chance. It was not God seeing a moment and then seizing it that he chose to sacrifice Jesus on the cross. From the beginning of time, it was the will 
of God to crush his son. It was the will of the father, knowing all things, to put his son to grief and to crush him. And the language that's used here is not pretty. In fact, I think it's intentionally pretty, pretty obscene to crush his son. We often frame Jesus' death in, in the language of sacrifice. That's obviously very appropriate. That in itself is gruesome. But to crush his son, I think, takes it to the next kind of gruesome level. Isaiah isn't trying to use mild language here. And the truth is that the crushing anguish that Jesus Christ went through on our behalf is far greater than we could ever imagine. Not only was God's, it was God's will for Jesus to be tortured and to die on that cross, which would have been very, very terrible, very horrific. And I was thinking about it this week. God made our bodies. He put clusters of nerve cells in our wrists, knowing that nails would be driven through the wrists of Jesus. That wasn't horrific enough, though. It was God's will that Jesus would drink the full, unveiled, unrestrained, and terrifying wrath of God in our place. And the crushing weight of God's unrestrained wrath on human souls is so much more devastating than we could ever even imagine. If you imagine it and you try your best, I don't think it's even a drop in the bucket of the wrath that is against human souls, of a holy God. We have earned that wrath. We deserve that wrath. And yet 700 years before Jesus drank that wrath, God was already promising, hey, you will not have to. My children will not have to. Now, of course, he's been promising that throughout the Bible. <clears throat> God's promise to us, as we see here, is that not a single one who has been called by God to be his child will face that wrath. Because the suffering servant faced it on our behalf, he faced it for us. And that's good news. I hope you guys feel that that's good news. We do not have to drink the wrath of God. But that does leave us with the terrible reality that millions and millions, if not billions and billions of people will have to drink the full crushing wrath of God. That's the brutal reality we're left with. Again, we can't imagine what that's like. We can't even try to imagine. We can imagine what it's like to get nails thrusted through our wrists and the pain of that. But to stand before holy God as a sinner who has not been justified by Jesus, I can guarantee is to have nails driven through your wrists is mild compared to that. And millions and millions of people will face that reality. If you die without knowing Jesus, you will face God. But of course, the gospel is not just to condemn us in our sin, but it is to provide us the hope that that's not where we sit, 
but that Christ did save us. And that is a free gift of his grace. And so if you are here today and you do not know Jesus, I do hope that you accept that reality, that you will face God's wrath. And I do hope that that compels you to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Turn your life over to him. Well, moving forward, looking at verse 11, God's word says this, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. Out of the anguish of his soul, which we just talked about, and it was anguish indeed, he shall see and be satisfied. This uh, phrase uh, I had to wrestle with for a while. And I had to go through a couple commentaries and spend some time praying about it and, and, and seeking some help with it. But ultimately, it comes down again to a, a promise that God is making. And that's this, that what God sets out to accomplish, he will accomplish. It's, it's kind of taking what we've already talked about to the next level. What God sets out to accomplish, he will accomplish. I know that's a basic truth about God, but it's something that we should preach to ourselves daily. What God says he's going to be faithful in, he will be faithful in. And what he set out to accomplish is to save his people, to save you and to save me. We also see the promise at the end of verse 11 that God will place all of this, our sins, those whom he has called, our sins upon the shoulders of Jesus. The end of verse 11 says, and he shall bear their iniquities. And what's incredible is that the action of God placing the sins of Christ, our sins upon his shoulders, makes us righteous in the eyes of God. In the process of Jesus taking our place, we are given his place. Christ becomes the curse and we become the promise. Christ bears our sins before a holy God and we bear his righteousness before a holy God. The promise is that if you trust Jesus, then when you stand before God, he will see the righteousness of Jesus. He will not see your sin. Therefore, as the catechism says, we can have comfort in life, but we can also have comfort in death. As we look back on 2022, there are many successes that we can be very grateful for. God has blessed us tremendously. But I'm sure, like me, there are also things you can look back on that perhaps you regret. Things that you're disappointed in, things that you didn't accomplish or didn't get, that you thought 2020 years, 2022 is the year, but it didn't happen. And my encouragement as, as you look back 
over 2022 is that you embrace the spirit of the new year. This is what I would call the spirit of the new year. It's to not dwell too heavily, heavily on the past, but recognize that tomorrow's a new day, that tomorrow is a new year, that in some ways we have a new start. But I specifically encourage you to embrace the spirit of Paul and his words from Philippians 3, 13 through 14 when he says this. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my, uh, I'm sorry, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's talking about sanctification and salvation. I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As we look back on 2022, I, I do encourage you, praise God. Praise God for all the gifts he has given us, the blessings, the breath in your lungs, the rain that's falling outside, the marriages that have happened, the baptisms that have happened. But I also encourage you to mourn. Mourn over the sadness, the deaths, the failures, the disappointments. And then look forward and press on toward the goal. And then, as we look forward to 2023, I wanna end where I, I, I uh, began. And that's to encourage you to allow the hope of the promises that God has made for us to be your rest, to be your rejuvenation, and to be the strength that drives you through the year. Setting goals for ourselves is all about us going out and accomplishing them. And those are good things. But the strength that we derive through Christ is not something that we can go out and accomplish ourselves. But it's a strength that has already been given to us. And it's found through the power of the Holy Spirit as we rest in who God is, who God has made us, and who God is calling us to be. So I want to actually finish with a promise from the mouth of Jesus, and it rings very similarly to Isaiah 53. So please take up your Bibles once again. I know I'm doing this uh, differently. Take up your Bibles once again. Turn to John chapter 6. That's on page 1060. We're going to look at verses 37 through 40. John chapter 6. 37 through 40. Listen to the beautiful words that Christ has promised us with. Jesus says this. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my father, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that, has been, has, uh, that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, month to month, Sunday to Sunday, and day to day, may this be your resolution through 2023, that you will rest in the promise of God. When you wake up in the morning, preach it to yourself. When you go to bed at night, praise God for the fulfillment of those promises that he has made. And his promise is that those who look upon his son will not face the wrath of God, but will be justified receiving the righteousness of God as if you died on that cross for your own sins. The righteousness of God as if you had lived a perfect life. The thing you could not do and cannot do. And the promise is, is that God will give that to you when you turn your life over to Christ. And the promise is, brothers and sisters, that on the last day, you will not remain dead. That the grave has no power over you, but you will be raised again as surely as Christ rose again. May all your resolutions and all your actions and all the words of your mouth through 2023, flow from a place of rest in those promises. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, holy and wondrous God, we thank you for the many undeserved and unearned blessings that you lavished on us during 2022. We thank you that in your good wisdom and in your will, you have taken saints home to be with you. We also thank you for the rest of us who, who you have caused to tarry here in this life. We thank you for the many baptisms, for the many new members, for the many wonderful things that you have blessed this church with. We thank you for another year. And we pray that your gracious and good blessings would go before us in 2023. And finally, Father, I pray that through your spirit, you would cause all of us to rest in the good promises that you have made. Father, that you have saved us and that we can have complete and total confidence that we will be received by you through your righteousness. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.